Take us. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. Last Sunday we began speaking on a subject, Take Your Invitation. And we're going to continue on with that this morning from Matthew chapter number 11. The Lord's Invitation. We'll read verses number 28 through 30. And then we'll go through a little bit of review after we pray. Matthew chapter 11, we'll begin our reading in verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we pray that you'd help me as I preach your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that if there are any here who have never come to you in salvation, that they might believe on you today and be saved before it's eternally too late. Lord, I also pray for those who have believed, that, Lord, we would learn what these verses indicate for the believer. Lord, we pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word today, in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we considered those that may look like they were heavy laden. We brought some pictures up on the screen of those who uh, might give you the indication of being heavy laden. If we go to the next slide, we see these folks that are on top of this Jeep in a foreign country and also a donkey that was heavy laden, and sometimes... These pictures identify with the feeling of our souls. We feel like we're carrying too much. I had somebody this very week talk to me about during the sermon last week. They said that these photos described where they were at spiritually. They're heavy laden. They're burdened down with cares and say the sorrows of the world. The next slide shows somebody who's basically sitting on a wall Heavy laden. There are people who have these feelings all around us today. Life is a very difficult journey. In the Old Testament, there was a man named Elijah, and Elijah didn't get it the way he ordered. He wanted the nation of Israel to go through a a time of revival after Mount Carmel. It didn't happen that way. He was threatened by Jezebel, and the Bible says that he took a run for his life. When he got to where he was going, God asked him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Asked him a couple of times, which should tell you God didn't tell him to go to Horeb. But the neat thing is right there in the middle, God sent an angel to feed him to help him as he was going that way. One of the things that the angel told Elijah to do was to eat and to drink. He said that the journey is too great for you. And certainly the journey is too great for you to go it alone without Christ. As you live this life, Life can get pretty messy. Life can get very complicated, presenting many burdens for you to carry. So the message last week, we went through on the next slide, these three points last week. We talked about the message that was uh, given through through these verses. We were really considering verse number 28 only where the Lord said, come unto me, the, 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 the people, he gave it to all people, come unto me, all ye who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. 
the picture uh, was displayed to illustrate this truth that anybody can come to the Lord at any time when they're carrying life's burdens. Many people are living their lives just as those photos. They're heavy laden and they're burdened, and Christ says, come unto me. So we considered the plea last week. The plea was to come. It was to come to Jesus. Jesus says, come unto me. You know, there are many people who turn to other things other than Christ to get spiritual rest or to even find fulfillment in life. They turn to relationships. How many relationships that you get into even when you're young and you think this is the solution to my problem. This fills the void in my heart and that relationship often ends in disaster. Relationships don't always bring joy and peace. <laughs> Remember hearing one man, he lived up on a hill out in Missouri and somebody called him, he come to church and he said, how's it going up on your hill? <laughs> He said, I don't know, there's a lot of hollering going on up there. <laughs> he was describing a, a marriage that had a lot of disunity and disharmony, and sometimes that's the way relationships are. Sometimes people turn to, to substances in order to fill a void or to drown out the sorrow and the pain. They become very heavy laden and burdened down with the sorrows of this life. Jesus says, come unto me. You have the choice to come to the Lord. Many who labor and are heavy laden run to these sources to give them rest, but it only adds to their load and the masters are not satisfying. I typically don't go back to a restaurant that serves me bad food. You ever got bad food at a restaurant? It did some awful things to your body. <laughs> and you remembered the next time that you passed by that way, and even though you might be hungry, you say, I'm not going that way again. <laughs> But there are people who continue to go back to eat from the devil's table, even though he doesn't satisfy. And they just keep going back to the same sources, sources that don't have the ability to deliver you. Now we consider the plea in verse number 28. This plea was just simply to come to Jesus. But we want to notice a couple of things this morning as we move on from verse number 28. There is a distinction between verse number 28 and verse number 29. I believe verse number 28 is more of a salvation verse. Come unto me, all ye that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But notice verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls." You know, in verse number 29, or verse number 28, it didn't say anything about learning of Christ or putting his yoke upon you. Verse 28 is dealing with coming to Jesus in the matter of salvation. To find rest or to take rest in his finished work on Calvary. But in verse number 29, it deals with another subject. And on the next slide, we show a picture of what is a yoke of oxen. This yoke of oxen shows you what a yoke looks like. It's a yoke. Jesus said to take my yoke upon you. You know, the Bible's describing in verse 28, a yoke being taken off of you, a, a heavy ladenness being taken off of you. And then Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. To come is to leave one thing behind and advance to another, said one preacher. Come then, ye laboring and heavy laden, 
Leave your legal labors. Leave your self-reliant efforts. Leave your sins. Leave your presumptions. Leave all in which you hitherto have trusted and come to Jesus. That is, think of advance towards and rely upon the Savior. You know, as you look at that picture with the yoke of oxen, it is a yoke that we take upon us. This yoke is a, it's a coupling. Let's show the picture of the oxen again. A coupling of servitude. A definition of the word yoke is heavy burden, comparable to a heavy yoke on the bullock's necks. A bondage to or submission to authority. It, it does seem rather strange that having received rest of the Lord in verse 28, that he tells us to take a yoke upon us. We've just been set free from having a yoke. We've just had that yoke taken away from us, the yoke of the heavy laden of sin or, say, of the burdens of religious activity. We don't really find a whole lot of people engaging in religious activity to free themselves of a yoke today, even though that is a heavy burden and you'll never meet it. You can get baptized. You can get baptized as a child. You can get baptized as an adult. You can go through all the catechisms as children. You can come to our Master Clubs program and, say, memorize over a 100 verses. But it's still not going to clear you of sin. No amount of good works can absolve your sins. People who are trying to labor in order to get saved are fighting a losing battle because no no amount of good works can absolve you of your sins, can atone for your sins. I hope that you don't have a worldview to where the more you labor like these oxen, the better position you'll have in heaven. I came to church today not because I'm trying to go to heaven. Coming to church is actually a good thing. But I go to church because I'm on my way to heaven. Can someone who is on their way to heaven skip church? Of course they could. Because God didn't make you a robot. God's not going to force you to worship Him. Now, if you did get truly get saved, you're going to have a desire to or a want to come to church. As a matter of fact, anybody who tells you that you can get saved and that will never, uh, it will never lead to you having the desire to come to church has sold you a bill of goods about salvation. Because when you get saved, there are some things that come with the birth. Now listen, some things came with my birth and it's pretty obvious. Say, what are you talking about? I like to eat. Nobody had to teach me. All of my children today are in church. Some of my children let me know in very uncertain terms when they were young if I allowed them to feel hunger pains. And I needed to feed them and feed them quickly. You know, being hungry spiritually comes with the new birth. God's people love the Bible. God's people don't hate the Bible. God's people have received the Bible. The Bible talks about Jesus said, man shall not live by uh, bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is spiritual food this morning. If you're drawn towards preaching, it's actually a good thing. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those who would believe. God's people should run to preaching, not away from preaching. God's people should run to music. Good music is a blessing to our souls. It's something that draws us toward the Lord. You know, the fellowship of the believers... Being around other believers, the Bible says this in the book of 1 John chapter number 3, that we, we know we've passed from death to life 
Because we love the brethren. Some people hate believers and they hate church. And yet they say they're going to go to the place where the psalmist went. In Psalm 23, David said that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He talks about his cup running over, and then he says this in the last verse, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and what? I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David didn't have a poor idea of the house of the Lord. He, he loved the house of the Lord. He loved the places of his habitation. This is the kind of yoke that the Lord puts on the neck of someone who has just been saved. He said, take my yoke upon you. There's a different life and there's a different lifestyle. I had to learn about this new yoke that I had when I came down heavy burdened and got saved at an altar. The Lord lifted my burden of sin and he made me accepted into the beloved. He saved my soul. It was a real blessing. When I stood up, I felt light as a feather. But you know what? The Lord had some things for me to do where he talks about learning. He says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, some of this learning about the yoke of the Lord and what we would call routines of righteousness. The routines of righteousness. It came easier to me because I had parents that took me to church. Not just that. That's where it started. My parents brought me to church. I came to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And uh, we also went to times of service. My, my parents took me to nursing homes to sing to people. And often when my parents would have me do acts of service before I did it because I wanted to, I, I would kind of loathe going. Oh, we got to go there again. I kind of had a bad attitude about going to the nursing home. But then after I got to the nursing home and we'd go into these rooms where people couldn't get out, they were shut in, and we began to think about, and, and I was just thinking about how afflicted they were in life, where I began to sing to them with my family and we saw God lift their spirits. And I always left feeling like I was blessed. You know why I went there to the nursing home? Because I was led there by my parents who had taken on a yoke. They decided to use some of their talents for the Lord by learning of the Lord. I've met many people in my life who had taken a yoke, a yoke on by, from the Lord. They were, they were not always men who were called to preach. At many of our, the churches that I've been in, they had bus ministries and things. And whenever you have a bus ministry, you have problems with your vehicles. <laughs> you ever had a vehicle problem and you didn't know how to fix it? I thank God for those that have mechanical abilities. You know, mechanical abilities, I can do certain things on a car. Uh, there are certain things I can't do on a car. Somebody gave me a Cadillac once many years ago. I visited somebody in the hospital, and his dad had died and left this car to the family, and they gave me a car. And I mean, the point of that story is, hey, if you visit a hospital, you might get a Cadillac. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I, I wasn't visiting for any reason, but I remember I was trying to fix the brakes on that car, and I could not get the caliper off. My oldest son, Jonathan, is here today, and... Uh, Jonathan has certain mechanical abilities, but his answer for almost everything in the garage was getting a torch. <laughs> Get the torch, Dad. <laughs> I said, son, I don't think this one's going to be solved by a torch. What it was is the, uh, the Cadillac folks, they'd put some kind of weird star bolt for their calipers, and it, you, know, you had to have a particular tool to take it off. 
And I think they designed it that way so that people like me never tried to change the brakes. And what I learned that day is I can't do this. I need to have somebody help me to get this done. I do thank the Lord for those that have mechanical abilities. But I can remember times when our buses would break down at our church in Michigan or at our church in Missouri. (laughs) And there was always a guy with a greasy thumb who'd come up to the pastor as soon as he'd mentioned something in the church and say, Pastor, I can handle that. We had a man at our church in Missouri by the name of Don Hoke, and almost every Saturday he was up at the the church and seemed like we'd be going out to go on visitation and he'd be crawling out from underneath a bus. You know why he was underneath that bus? So that we could bring children to the church house. So that families could come to receive the Lord. You say, what are you talking about him for? Because he had a yoke about his neck and he was using his talents and his abilities for the Lord. This is what we get saved to do. We get saved to serve, not to sit on blessed assurance. At our at our our church that me and my wife got saved in and had our first three children in, there was a lady named Marion Minnemeyer, a German woman. She didn't have a greasy thumb, but she had a green one. And boy, did she like to come up and plant flowers around the church. And she wouldn't let weeds grow up around the church. She, she got up to that church and she made sure that stuff got done. You know, she never got paid a dime for doing none of that stuff at church. She just came up there. She lived a stone's throw away from across the street. She, she was a German woman and she was, she was a tough lady. My mother was from Germany and I, I enjoyed Marion. But it was always a blessing as we pulled into the church, say on a Saturday on an off day, and we always saw Marion out there doing her part picking weeds, planting flowers, just doing something for the Lord. There are people who have great abilities to serve, and God's given you abilities that are different than others. Some people don't have the ability to speak the way others do. God doesn't call everybody to pastor. God doesn't call everybody to preach. God doesn't call everybody to be a missionary. But He certainly calls all of us to serve. And the more you serve the more you get acquainted with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a yoke that a Christian needs to wear. I would, you know, the routines of righteousness for us, I mean, as a family, I thank God that I had an example that was given to me. You know, on Sundays, we really separated the day. It was the Lord's day. In the book of Revelation, in the first chapter, it was John from the Isle of Patmos who said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he penned the words of Revelation. The Lord's day is the first day of the week. It should be a day that's given to the Lord. You say, is Sunday different than any other day? Well, it kind of is because it's called the Lord's Day. But it's a day to separate to worship the Lord. God gives us six days to get our stuff done. And He wants us to give Him one day out of the seven. Even creation shows us this. But, you know, these routines of righteousness should be involved in your life. It will help you. You know, faithfully coming to church will not solve all of your problems. God didn't even design church to do that. Church doesn't solve your problems. Church can draw you together. Church and having good sermons that are prepared that will help you in your life, they can help you. They can draw you closer to the Lord. They certainly, you know, services, good services are designed to point your mind to the Lord and to get them off of the problems of life. You could have come in those doors today carrying a heavy burden that nobody else saw. A burden of health, a burden of finances, a burden of family. There are many burdens that we carry in this life. 
But one thing is for sure from this passage of Scripture, Jesus said this about his burden, his yoke, in verse 29. He said, he said, I'm meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And he says this about his yoke. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Lord's yoke is easy. Now, if you turn in your Bible to the book of Mark in the 15th chapter, Mark chapter number 15, I'm sure those of you who are you're in church today, you're familiar with the story of the Lord Jesus as he was being led away to be crucified. Mark chapter number 15 goes through some of the story of the crucifixion of the Lord. This is our, our Lord, our, our Jesus from 2,000 years ago. This was the road that he traveled. At the end of his life, he was, he was sentenced to be crucified. And in verse number 17 of Mark 15, it says this, And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. In verse 19, it talks about what Jesus went through. And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him. And bowing their knees, they worshiped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. The brutalization of the Lord Jesus Christ was terrible. They mocked him. They scourged him. The Bible talks about him, Pilate delivering Jesus to be scourged. They platted this crown of thorns on his head. Can you see him with the crown of thorns, with the blood that's coming from the pressed-in thorns? I remember as I lived in Missouri, I'd never seen a a thorn tree before. (laughs) And I got out, I bought a piece of property that had six acres, and I was traveling through that property and came across this tree and almost got stabbed in the eye by about a six-inch, well... (laughs) It was probably four to five inches. It was a thorn. It looked like a, a 16-penny nail is what it looked like. But it was a thorn tree. It was frightening looking. I could only imagine if they're taking thorns like that and weaving a crown of thorns and jamming it into the head of the Lord, how the blood flowed from Christ's head. You know, I, I didn't need to see a thorn tree to, to picture Christ dying for me. My pastors did a great, good enough job preaching where I'd already had that scene in my mind about what they did to the Lord. They brutalized him so badly that as Christ was on his way up Calvary with his cross, the Bible says in verse number 21 that they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. In other words, you, you read the story about what's going on with Jesus, if you couple the stories between how Mark saw the events take place and how Luke saw the events take place, in Luke chapter number 23, if you flip over there, in Luke chapter 23 and verse number 26, Luke further describes the situation where Simon was compelled to come and bear the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter number 23 And verse 26 says this, And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. 
They were beating Jesus to the point where evidently he was moving too slow for the Roman soldiers' liking. And as they were going along, they saw this man, Simon, who was a Cyrenian, and they grabbed him, and the Bible says they compelled him to carry the Lord's cross with him. Now, some people get these, these pictures in their mind of Christ couldn't carry the cross, he fell down underneath its weight, and that the soldiers then took the cross away from Jesus, and then they had Simon carry the cross up Calvary, and then Jesus was crucified. But if you look at John chapter 19, John chapter 19, just one passage over, the Bible speaks from John's perspective of how Jesus was led away to be crucified. In John chapter 19, begin reading there in verse number 16, and try to hang with me. We're talking about the yoke, the yoke that Christ has for us. The Bible says in verse 16, Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Verse 17 says this, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. When you put all three stories together from Mark and from Luke and from John, we find that as Jesus Christ was traveling up Calvary's hill with the cross, he was moving so slow that they put Simon underneath the other side of the cross. John chapter 19 says, Jesus bore his cross. (laughs) I want to tell you something, that cross wasn't too heavy for Jesus. That was his cross. There are some who believe that if you were at the top of Calvary's or Mount uh, Golgotha where Christ was crucified, and you saw Jesus and Simon trudging up the hill together with that cross... It almost looks like a yoke of oxen coming up that hill. I wonder what it would have been like for Simon to be that close to the bloodied and beaten Jesus. Can you see him there? You ever got close to a man that had been beaten or that you had suffered with or wrestled with or worked out with? (laughs) You ever played sports and you got so close to somebody who was hot? and you could feel the heat coming off their body, I assure you that when any of our family gets off of our rowing machine, we're not in a quick mood to hug them. Jesus, in a very hot climate, had just been beaten. He's been bloodied. The Bible speaks in the Old Testament about Jesus didn't hide his face from the spitting, that they plucked his beard from his face. So as Simon comes very close to the Lord underneath that cross... He can hear things that other people can't. He can see things that other people can't. It's probably very possible that the very blood of Jesus Christ got on Simon the Cyrenian. And I can only imagine as they went up Calvary's hill together, he probably got to feeling toward the end of that hill that it wasn't him carrying the cross anymore. He probably got a whole lot more help from from Jesus Christ than what he thought. This is the same thing that goes for our lives. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize how He's 
carrying your cross. And He helps you get through life. It's not you. There's many people who are carrying so much, and I just want to say this, God doesn't design you to carry your cross alone. He designs it for Him to help you carry it. You say, oh, I don't need His help. You may not think you need His help now, but there's coming a day when you'll, you'll see that you do. The Bible says that Jesus' yoke is easy and His burden is light. How many today are bearing this heavy yoke, burdened with sorrows and the cares of this world? If you come to Christ, I want to say this in the matter of salvation, He'll take that burden off of you. He'll lighten that. He'll take it all away. Remember the song that came to my life and my heart, I've told you before, when I got saved was a song that we used to sing in church called Saved by the Blood of the Crucified One. The, the, the song in the chorus says, Glory, I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Some of you are burying guilt today. Guilt from failure. Guilt from sin. And I'm here to tell you, when you come to Jesus, He can take all that guilt away. He takes all the shame away because He forgives you of that. But there's another yoke to put on, and that's Christ's yoke. And I want to say this, His yoke is easy, and His burden is light. His commands are not grievous to those of us who are Christian. I wonder if there's somebody here today, and you haven't been bearing your yoke for the Lord. You haven't put His yoke on. You haven't learned about the Lord and been living for the Lord. I want to say this, the Lord didn't save you for you to remain the same. The Lord saves you to change your life. 2 Corinthians makes that clear in chapter 5 and verse 17 that those who get saved, that He's making everything new in their lives. God takes you from a place where you are when you get saved, and He starts changing you slowly but surely. If you'll walk with the Lord, you're going to learn a whole lot about the Lord, and you'll learn about life. You'll learn about service. You'll learn about who the Lord is. Jesus says in Matthew chapter number 11, I'll read this again right before we close. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And he says, I will give you rest. But then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. You know, when you hear that, when Jesus said that he's meek and lowly, you know what that should make us? You ever met somebody and they thought they'd arrived somewhere with the Lord, but the only thing that you could describe them at is proud? They're proud, they're obstinate, they're boisterous, they're, they're the, loudest, the loudest voice in the room. Jesus says, when you learn of me, you're meek and lowly. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is strength and reserve. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. His meekness was shown when he could have responded, when he could have retaliated, and he didn't. That should describe you, Christian. That doesn't describe many. As a matter of fact, some people, when they get saved, they take on this personality where it's anything but meekness and lowliness. Christ's life is a life of humility. It's about learning of Him. You want to you know something? The Pharisees couldn't figure out Christ. Couldn't figure Him out. If He knew who that woman was, He wouldn't be letting her touch His feet. Could I say this? Jesus knew exactly who she was. And Jesus let her, touch, let her touch his feet. But the Pharisees could. Look at your disciples. They're, eat, they're eating. They're plucking corn on the Sabbath day. 
They couldn't understand it. So Jesus goes into the temple and heals the guy with the withered hand. And boy, did it make those Pharisees angry. They just couldn't figure out Christ. He did everything to the opposite of the way they thought. The same thing happens in your life too. Don't act for a second that as a Christian, you didn't have some curveballs thrown your way. Well, I didn't expect that, Lord. I didn't expect life to unfold this way. This is when the Lord has you to trust him. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. When things happen in your life that you don't understand, turn to Christ, turn to Calvary. And this also is a way of bearing the yoke. Have you ever met a Christian who felt like everything that we're doing for the Lord, it's just so heavy. I've got this to do. I've got that to do. I've got got so much to do. (laughs) Now listen, a life of being a Christian should call you to be busy. We should be busy about the master's business. Amen? I mean, he, he suffered all for us. We can certainly do something for the Lord. But I want to tell you something. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. If there's ever a time when it feels like I'm bearing too much of this burden, then I may be carrying too big of a load that God never even had me to carry. I want to say this. In the matter of salvation, I cry over souls. I pray for souls. But at the end of the day, I can't save anybody, but God can. I can preach the word and God can save. I play my part. He plays his part. I can't change other people, but God can. I can't solve all the problems of the world. I can't solve all the problems even in my own family. My people have problems that God has to solve. I can't solve them, but God can. And when I'm taking on too much on myself and I'm feeling like I, my yoke is so heavy, I need to remember Jesus said my yoke is easy. Come, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Did Christ lie about how heavy the yoke was? If he didn't, then why are you carrying such a heavy load today? Why do you struggle so much with the issues of life? Maybe you need to allow the Lord to lighten your load today. The Lord is a burden bearer. As you think about him and Simon trudging up that hill, the Bible says Jesus carried his cross. Maybe Simon helped him a little bit. But God doesn't design you to bear your burdens alone. Let's stand together, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe today the Lord has spoken to you. Maybe you're bearing a a heavy, heavy load. We're going to play a verse of invitation in just a moment. Maybe God spoke to your heart. Maybe those pictures today, they identify with what you've been carrying in life. Has the Lord spoken to your heart today? You're tired of that burden, the heavy laden? Are you tired of solving your own problems or dealing with things in your way why don't you let the Lord help you if you're lost the Lord wants to save you if you're saved the Lord certainly wants you to take his yoke upon you freely and voluntarily because you love him because he loved you first as we sing the first verse of Jesus paid it all if God spoke to your heart you come heavy laden the labor is long
struggling with life, you'll need the Lord's help. Won't you come today? help in the altar, just lift your hand and we'll come help you. We'll send someone to help. Oh God, help us now. Maybe God said something to you. verse in just a minute. The songwriter years ago wrote a song called I Must Tell Jesus. He said, I cannot bear my burdens alone. And it is true. That songwriter came to that realization that I can't do this alone. And he got to the point in the song on I Must Tell Jesus where he said, Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. You ever seen that the answer to your problems is trusting Christ to help you bear these burdens? He didn't want you to bear them alone. You've got a good friend to help you bear these burdens in Christ. Let's sing another verse. Lord, now in need I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spot. 
Come on up, Watkins family. Praise the Lord for this couple, this family. Um, several weeks ago, we had a security incident here at the at the Metropolitan Baptist Church. Uh, how many of you remember that day where somebody kicked in my door? I remember that day. It was a Sunday morning, and uh, because we had a security incident, Brother Chester called the sheepdog group and said, we need some more guards over here that day. Is that how that unfolded? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so Brother Mark came because he wanted to make sure that the church was safe, and he's a part of the sheepdog group. And uh, after the first service, Brother Mark, you want to tell the church what the Lord did in your heart? Well, uh, I was actually standing over at the other side, and uh, I was watching him on TV, and I go, you know... Uh, we were looking for a new church, and I believe this is where we need to be. <laughs> just just that, that, that simple. Uh, I will tell you all this, that every one of you all in here have welcomed us like you knew us forever. Um, and that means a lot to us, especially to my wife. Uh, our last church wasn't so friendly. So that's just... Well, we, we know, we, I believe that this church is one of the friendliest churches I've ever been a part of. And uh, I, I walked here inside this building for the very first time with Brother Mark and Miss Sherry uh, last November. And I saw the, the building, but the next day when I saw the people, I just felt right at home. And uh, Brother Mark uh, and Miss Christie have felt the same thing. And so... Um, Brother Mark has a testimony of salvation. The Lord saved his soul. Brother Mark, you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Miss Christie, you believed on the Lord Jesus. You've been saved by his grace. You've received him as your Lord and Savior. And so both of them, as they unite with this church, uh, we're going to recommend that they be baptized into the Metropolitan Baptist Church. And so they're coming as candidates to join uh, through baptism. Do I hear a motion and second that we receive them as candidates? Brother Earl, Brother Allen, all the raise of hands, all in favor. Any opposed, black sign, and I see none. And so we'll schedule a time to get these guys baptized. And uh, we, we, we baptize people in warm water in this church as best we can. <laughs> and I promised Brother Mark that we would make sure that the water didn't have ice in it. And so uh, we're not going to extend to them the right hand to Christian fellowship just yet today. We'll do that after they get baptized. Does that sound good to you? Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful for another couple joining the church? And uh, you, you, you pray for their family, that God adds them to the church, that they'll be a blessing to the church, and we'll, as a church, be a blessing to them. I do want to say this about our security team. I'm thankful for those who do security here so that we who are in this building know that we're safe and secure and somebody's looking out for us. Uh, just here recently, there was another incident around this area in the Fort Worth area where an armed individual ended up inside of a church building armed with a shotgun. And uh, I'm thankful that in this church, that should never and probably will never happen because of men like Brother Mark and Brother Chester and these others that are choosing to serve in that area of security. And I'm thankful for their faithfulness to watch over us like that. Make sure you extend the right hand to them today and let them know how thankful you are that they're choosing to join the church and we'll schedule a time with them 
to, to baptize them, and they'll become official members at that time. All right, let's go ahead and bow for a word of dismissal prayer. 445 choir practice. We have a, I believe my wife gave me an announcement today that I did not read. I believe there's going to be a Master Clubs meeting tonight after the evening services up front. So if you're going to be a part of the Master Clubs program, we'll meet up front after the evening service. And I am so glad that I remembered to give that announcement today. All right, I'm going to call on Brother Earl Cavanaugh to dismiss the service in prayer. Jesus.